All right. This is our, the last part of our uh, look at the church gathered and the church scattered or the first part of the church gathered. So, <clears throat> excuse me, the church collective. We've looked at what we do when we are formally together for our corporate gatherings. Um, and now we're just going to touch briefly on um, some of the things Kyle talked about this in his ecclesiology lecture about sort of the high level ideas of the mission of the church. Um, but we're just going to sort of reiterate that and think about it in terms of actual physical practices that go along um, with this idea of the, the mission of the church, the church collective, the things that we do when we're gathered together as a church, uh, but not necessarily within our corporate gathering. So I would say that, um, that that falls into four big buckets. We collectively steward our resources. We collectively pursue holiness. We collectively hold out the gospel and we collectively work for the true, the good, and the beautiful. Okay. So first we collectively steward our resources. So what are our resources? Well, money is obviously one of them. Um, We see very clearly in Acts a picture of um, the gathering together of our money. And then also really in the same same breath, it's not just our money, but also um, the things that we we have, our assets. Um, If you have a business, the tent making business, using that um, for for the purposes of the church, or if you have um, space, a home, you have a home that you can gather in, then using that for the purposes of the church. Um, And this goes along side by side with collectively stewarding our gifts, which I feel like we've kind of talked about at length in other contexts. Um, And resources are a gift too, but we collectively steward what we have. And so that is first and foremost money. We put our money together um, and some there, you know, there's not like real, it doesn't doesn't say specifically exactly how much, certainly some people want to go back to sort of the temple, the tithes, which was like the temple tax. Others want to push to giving it all away. Um, I think that there's wisdom to be exercised there, but what we, um, what we can assert is that there's an expectation of giving some of our money to the church to be collectively stewarded. Um, and then also our other assets as well. Okay. So if we're stewarding our time, our assets, our finances, um, to, to what end, what are we stewarding them for? Well, I would say we're largely stewarding them for the equipping of the saints and for mercy, the equipping of the saints and for mercy. Those would be kind of, um, objectives number one and two, the equipping of the saints. And um, we certainly see a lot, uh, particularly like in Timothy and in Titus, um, about teaching and holding fast to sound doctrine. Now we talked about the preaching, um, component of the corporate gathering and preaching certainly comprises a, com- a, a piece of, um, teaching. But teaching isn't only limited to, um, to the pulpit. There's other contexts for teaching. We see that in the New Testament. We see that also um, when you think about um, the teaching, you know, women to women or um, the old to the young, there is a sense of discipleship that goes along with teaching. So I think that um, there is a recognition in the New Testament, not trying to create some kind of false categories of, well, these are the only contexts in which teaching happens, uh, but a recognition that um, teaching is really just sort of synonymous in some ways with discipleship and influencing people, whether in a smaller one-on-one sense, whether in kind of a authoritative, like parent to child sense, or whether that's in um, all kinds of different contexts of the church. So there's some more specific parameters, of course, about the, um, 
in the corporate gathering teaching, but there is a recognition in the new Testament that teaching happens in a variety of contexts, ranging all the way from that corporate gathering to kind of a one-on-one. And that really is the collective burden of the church. So equipping the saints for that ministry, for the teaching and the discipleship, the holding out of what is good. Um, the second really important piece. Um, sometimes we can forget it. We can tend to emphasize one or the other, either the discipleship teaching component of ministry or the mercy component of ministry. And really both of those things are necessary and true. And both of those things are things that tend to happen, um, as the church collective and necessary, not necessarily in the church corporate, it's hard to figure out how do you incorporate mercy into the corporate gathering? And yet it is very clearly a prescription of the church. So mercy, um, is something that ought to be practiced. Um, the example that's given to us both within the church and without the church. So both inside and outside. So we see, um, the, within the church component of benevolence, when we look at, um, the roles of widows and orphans and acts, um, serving at the table, the deciding of what everybody needs, um, and acts as well. Um, so we see that very much within the church. I do think sometimes we have a tendency to think mercy is only outside the church, um, but it is within the church and also outside the church. Certainly we see that in, um, the call to serve the poor, um, even in, this is less emphasis on the collective and more on the individual, but Jesus's, um, reminder that, um, every time we serve one of the least of these, we serve him. So, um, in many ways, I think a lot of what we see as sort of the collective mission of the church, um, are all can be also things that we do individually, but the vision of the new Testament is that we're doing them collectively. So many of the yous in the New Testament are not singular, they are plural. So if we were willing to have a Texas interpre- uh, version of the, of the Bible, I think we would understand a little bit more. So often what we're seeing is y'all do this and y'all do that. So yes, there are going to be things that we do individually, but um, things that we practice together. And mercy is certainly um, one of the highest priorities of the church, both within and without. So that's one way that we collectively steward our resources, ultimately for the equipping of saints to um, teaching and discipleship and the equipping of saints to mercy. Second category, I think that um, the church is charged with collectively pursuing holiness. Again, it is y'all do this and y'all do that. And there's so many um, vibrant pictures of um, the kind of people that we ought to be the, the uh, practices that we ought to vivify and the sins that we ought to mortify. And we're going to talk a lot more about those actually in our next lecture on the individual practices of faith of practicing that allegiance. Um, but it's important to note here, just the communal component of that. So what would it look like then for, um, are us to collectively communally pursue holiness? What practices would be involved in us doing it together? Um, as a, there are also practices where we do it individually, but what would the collective practices be? Well, the practices that we see are really a lot of the same things that we see in the corporate gathering. There just seems to be an indication that they also happen outside the corporate gathering. So particularly confession, repentance, gathering to pray, uh, holding one another accountable. Those would be some of the collective images of, um, or the collective practices of holiness. Um, and then I think the other one on the more positive side would be practicing the one another's 
um, practicing greeting each other with um, a holy kiss, practicing um, showing hospitality to one another, being united, blessing one another, keeping loving continue loving one another earnestly serve one another with your gifts stand in solidarity with one another love one another um and so those are some of the the one another's that we are called to practice those might not have a you know programmatic practicing but they are things that we are to collectively do because they are inherently um communal as we're we're serving one another right so collectively steward our resources collectively pursue holiness um, collectively hold out the gospel, collectively hold out the gospel. So what does that look like? Um, certainly I know Kyle talked about this quite a bit. Um, and we've discussed, um, this mission of the church before, but just briefly want to remind you that we are called to practice that collectively as a church. And so practicing holding out the gospel means, um, proclamation. So there's very real evangelism component of this. We've talked about this and doing that, not just as individuals, but like doing it together. Y'all do that. So we are to collectively evangelize together. Um, mercy is a part of that. So that mercy outside the church, that is a significant way that we hold out the gospel to those outside of the church. Um, and then the third category um, is contrast living. So that's going to connect us back to the holiness piece, right? This is where we remember that we as the church are called to um, practice our faith in a way that is for the world and before the world. The world is watching us. And then so in many ways, there are things that we are going to do that are going to resist the world because we have indeed changed over our allegiance, but we're resisting the world in order to say, come and see come and see. So there is, um, we want to live in a way that is invitational, even as it might also be distinct. There's not much of an invitation if we are just like the other people, right? There's nothing to come and see, but if we are different, if we are distinct, if that collective pursuit of holiness actually engenders that one another love, that, um, that this picture that the new Testament paints, if, if that, um, collective pursuit of holiness and stewarding our resources and ministry, if it actually creates the music that we have been called to, then there will be an inherent um, invitation in it. So, um, we're going to collectively hold out the gospel and that's going to be both in the way that, um, uh, we live invitationally both come and see and moving out. So we're going to hold it out and we're going to live in a way that's going to be different and is going to draw people in. Can't do only one or the other must be a little bit of both. And that brings me, um, again, an overlap to the last bucket. We collectively work toward the true, the good and the beautiful. I really wanted to include this bullet point, um, to kind of bring us full circle with the cultural mandate. Because I think that um, in our emphasis on faith as private, faith as our own little you know car getting us where we're going, um, we have emphasized holiness um, in terms of our real vertical holiness, I should say, maybe um, too much so over and against at times um, how we move out in the world, our horizontal practice of 
faith. Um, we cannot have one without the other. They must be held in a harmonious tension. Um, and so our tendency as humans is always going to be to tend toward one note or the other. Um, and I should have said this at the beginning. We always have a tendency when we are um, playing our note and hearing other people's notes um, to initially recognize the dissonance and initially want people to play the same note. But we're called to allow everyone to play their own notes and to play our own and to bring it together in a way um, that creates music. So one tension that we are called to work or to hold is to pursue collectively pursue holiness and also to collectively work toward the true, the good and the beautiful. So we want to work for the good of the city in which we are placed. We want to, we want to build beautiful things. We want to um, write stories that are true that doesn't mean just like baptizing everything with the gospel everywhere we go. Although we don't not want to do that. I'm not saying that we don't do that. I'm saying that we, um, we pursue excellence for the sake of Christ. We pursue beauty for the sake of Christ. Um, we pursue love for the sake of Christ. And so, um, there are, we can work together in the world, um, first and foremost for mercy, but also, um, we can, to build beautiful things, um, to be excellent in our teaching, to, um, recognize that even beautiful architecture and art, um, uh, and literature, those things, um, can reflect, not can, they do reflect the glories of the Lord, um, building good businesses and, um, moving in the world in a way that honors Christ. Yes. That's something that certainly that we're doing individually, but we're also called to do that collectively. We encourage one another within the church as, um, we, uh, generously negotiate deals as we faithfully, um, work for our bosses or faithfully manage other people. We do that sort of collectively. We cannot isolate one portion of our life from another. Therefore, if it is not isolated, it is something that we must do collectively. We, um, we pursue what is true, what is good, what is beautiful, um, because that is what we were made to do. So we collectively steward our resources. We collectively pursue holiness. We collectively hold out the gospel. We collectively work toward the true, the good, and the beautiful. And hopefully in so doing, we become um, a people transformed changed people that practice the kingdom of God corporately, collectively, and individually for, and to be for a watching world. We do that by cultivating practices that restore and restore us, restore and restore us. So hopefully even this, even this moment, even this practice, even this ministry of forge is a part of that as a part of restoring and restoring you so that you and us collectively might practice the kingdom of God before the world.